Do you then ponder how the supreme of human evils, the surest mark of the base and cowardly, is not death, but the fear of death? I urge you to discipline yourself against such fear. Direct all your thinking, exercises, and reading this way, and you will know the only path to human freedom. That is a quote by Epictetus, and it is in a book called The Daily Stoic, and this was the December 20th quote. Uh, the Daily Stoic is a book I've been reading and wanted to recommend to all of you. It's by a guy named Ryan Holiday, uh, and each day of the year, there's a brief Stoic quote that then Ryan breaks down. I've been enjoying it. Thought you might too. Fear of death. Gosh, what a big subject. Uh, but makes a lot of sense to me, right? That you would spend a lot of your time, it would be wor- a worthy pursuit to spend your life um, practicing to face death. Uh, I think that that's, you know, I've, I've talked to nurses who work in hospice and they do say that there is a real wide range of the way that old people meet death. And some are able to do it gracefully, and it's a really beautiful thing, and others haven't done that work, and they go out kicking and screaming um, and really terrified to face themselves. And uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot that we can do to try and face that final death uh, experience. Um, and even just just having little uh, difficult experiences throughout the day that we meet. Um, right before this podcast, uh, my two guests, Brendan, Lindsay, and Lindsay, uh, we all stripped down to uh, our board shorts and bathing suits, and we went on a cold ocean swim. And I've been doing that uh, quite a few mornings uh, up here in Santa Cruz, and the water is chilly, and it, it really makes that personal conversation of I can do it, I can't do it, very vivid in your mind. Uh, and I find that then when when it's over, uh, it makes everything else more manageable. Um, so I like doing that. I, I think that shifting our relationship with discomfort is a is a kind of way to train ourselves for the final discomfort of death. Boy, guys, I just took this this conversation way down dark. I'm sorry, but hey, we're all gonna die. So maybe that's not that dark. Uh, Brendan and Lindsay have both been on this podcast before, and they're great humans. Um, they are two of my fittest friends. Um, they work out a lot. They're really into human optimization, um, not only in the body, but also the mind. They are both children of the podcast game, um, and it's fun to have friends that are also so into podcasts. I, I actually think that um, one thing I've noticed is that more and more of my friends recently, people who I'm really drawn to hang out with, love listening to podcasts. There's um, a certain quality of curiosity and a certain quality also of um, just believing that you can change, believing that you can get a piece of knowledge and apply it to your life and that can make your life better. Um, which, I mean, it seems kind of trite to say, but but people who embody that um, love of learning and that uh, ability to change habits to improve themselves um, 
are the kind of people that I want to be around. Um, Brendan and Lindsay both really inspire me. And uh, when I snapped my arm uh, about a year back and was going through a pretty rough recovery, it was recovering more slowly than I thought I would. Um, Brendan and Lindsay were my pit crew who really gave me some pragmatic techniques to heal up. Um, This conversation, we talk a lot more about a lot more than fitness. Um, And just so it was just a kind of wide ranging uh, chatty combo that I love having sometimes, Um, you know, just with my friends, it feels less interviewee and more just like we're hanging out. Um, But they're both people who are both super smart. Um, Brendan is the founder of Santa Cruz Medicinals. They sponsor every one of these podcasts. Shout out to them. If you want to go get some CBD in your life, uh, type in the code name Kyle10 and go to santacruzmedicinals.com to get some potent CBD and you'll be supporting this podcast along the way. Um, And he's also the guy that encouraged me to start this show way back when, um, maybe five years ago, he reached out to me and um, got me set up with my podcast gear and just was that initial oomph that I needed to start releasing episodes. And Lindsay is a health and addiction coach. Um, And I did a a podcast that you guys all loved and gave me a ton of good feedback about um, a number of episodes back. But Lindsay is, uh, she's currently receiving her master's in counseling psychology from John F. Kennedy University, and she is using her efforts towards approaching addiction counseling through a holistic lens and eliminating the stigma that surrounds the topic. Uh, I love them both to death. I know you will too. Um, and oh, before I get going, I'm going to Morocco. Um, I had an opportunity to, to take a trip out there, and I'm going to start this new offshoot podcast um, that I'm going to call Check with Kyle, where um, the the premise is they're going to be shorter form episodes and it's going to be a travel podcast. So if you're interested in going to Morocco, maybe you didn't even know that you were interested in going, but you listen to these episodes, they're going to help make you a better traveler. So it's going to be really useful information, you know, like what are the the main words that you need to know, um, you know, in Moroccan? What uh, are, I guess, Arabic? Uh, what uh, What's the monetary system? What are the places that you need to check out? What's the cuisine that um, you need to try if you visit Morocco? Like just basic helpful questions like that. And I'll interview a range of people. Um, and But I want to get, get uh, advice from all of you. So if you have advice on like, hey, this would be a really fun way to structure the interview or... Uh, you know, if you know of other travel podcasts that are very useful, let me know. Um, you can reach out to me on Instagram, or you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, um, shoot shoot an email to info at kyle.surf, um, and that'd be great. Uh, I hope that it inspires all of you to travel more. Um, something that I value tremendously is uh, travel and not not just travel for the sake of travel, but really experiencing other cultures. Um, I think that one of the reasons I'm I'm drawn to to doing this offshoot podcast is because um, for a long time I've traveled around the world and I've seen a lot of surfers who got to go to these amazing places but didn't learn shit about the place. 
You know, they didn't engage with the locals. They just stayed in their hotel and kept their faces glued to their phones and surfed the waves and then left. And I think that that is a shitty way to go about it. Um, and I was always encouraged to read as much as I could about the places that I was going um, and really get in with the locals as best I could. So I hope that this pod, this new podcast will um, kind of inspire that uh, frequency of travel in all of you. So um, again, I'm just getting it going. Might be even a couple months before I get the first episode out, but I'm going to record the first round of them in Morocco when I go on this trip. And with that, hope that you all have a great day. Thank you very much for listening to this show. I value all of you. Um, again, big high five to all the people who donate on Patreon. This is just a, a small ragtag show, and uh, even just five bucks a month really does help. You can go over to kyle.surf to do that. And with that, please welcome to the show some of my good friends, Lindsay Locke and Brendan Rue. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. It's not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. I, th- I thought of uh, something. I'm, uh, so I realized I love writing down a to-do list and then crossing it off. Like the feeling of crossing that, like, ugh, like etching the, sh- the the task off. So lately I've just been doing really easy to-do lists. Like take a shit. Cross it, <laughs> it off. Cross it off. Done. I Eat crossed breakfast. it off three times Done. this morning. Check Instagram. Check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a full day, guys. <laughs> I'm ready for bed. 6.30 a.m. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that tactile response feels good. You should just do. You should just write one on a page and then rip it out, crumple mm. it, and burn it. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> works well, too. The ritual. Yeah. I was... Uh, well, a, a new one for me is... Uh, because you have these different tasks, right? So there's like the, I got to do this stuff today. There's the, I got to go to the motherfucker awards on December 3rd tasks, right? Those are further out. And then there's the ones in between where you're like, I got to write this for me. It's like, I need to write a paper by this date, you know, in, in two weeks. And I need to, uh, oh, I don't know. I want to like get new workout equipment in my backyard. So they're like bigger tasks that I need to do that don't work well digitally. So lately I just type cut uh, index cards and I write the task on an index card and I put it in a little basket and then when I'm done with the task I take it out of the basket and I throw it away. Wow. And it's mm. so it's like even more satisfying than etching it off. It's like I actually take it and then it goes into this hole of nothingness. Yep. I'm done. I, I have a system like that. I'm an iPhone notes guy. So I have my to-do list which is just urgent things I need to do. And that stuff has to get done pretty damn quick. It's, you know, creating invoices, doing things for my website, things that have to get done. And then I have a ta-da list, which is like, ta-da, ah. like things that have to get done, but they're not urgent whatsoever. So when I have more time, I'm sitting in front of the MacBook with plenty of time on Saturday. It's shipping an influencer out in order who they do not need it right away, but they're, they're going to need it at some point. Getting tickets for something, maybe going and booking a trip. Once that, sometimes though, that ta-da stuff has to move into the to-do, like, okay, has to get done, but yeah. But, but it's all digital just, for you. 
yeah, your, digital, your digital. But again. now that you're saying, you know, crossing stuff off, I'm like, fuck. Maybe it doesn't feel as good just deleting it on my phone in silence. What you know, the <laughs> other thing about the the iPhone Notes app is I can never find my note later. Mm. Huh. It sends it in like different inboxes and different things that I have such a hard time doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. If my to do list ever got deleted, I, I think I'd I would be in panic mode. But isn't it was not yet. Isn't it weird to think about um, you know things that would make you panic like? Global food shortages. Uh, PG&E turning off your power. PG&E turning <laughs> off your power. Um, if Google Drive went down, <laughs> like how yeah, much? If Google Drive went down, Google Drive went down. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's everything. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Things would get real dicey. But you know, if it's down for me, then hopefully it'd be down for everybody. So we'd all be in the same boat. All right. So I got the idea. You, if you want a really satisfying uh, way to cross off your to do list, you get like. Um, medicine balls or like really heavy sandbags and you etch in permanent marker what the to-do list is and then when you're finished you pick up that sandbag and you run it down to the ocean and you do like a thousand squats and you dump the sand out on the beach and that signifies the completion <laughs> you're we're going to make you do that we're going to make you do ripped. that you're also <laughs> super ripped yeah and, and the thing that was on the to-do list was take the sandbag down to the beach and do a thousand squats so it was double two birds two one sandbag a ta-da. you know you know speaking of that type of workout though i think you've probably seen this Lindsay. um when i used to do personal training way back in the day with people that would first be getting into it for like stress relief i would have them do a lot of slamming and hitting type exercises like kyle yesterday you hit mitts you know for my first time yeah that was your first time i felt like a real athlete (laughs) yeah you know and like stuff like that like there you know i would love to see a study done on that but hitting a punching bag slamming a medicine ball i wonder what like the stress release is on that versus just standard chronic cardio or something like that like I would just see the change in people like, hey, slam this into this. There's also something very satisfying thing. Absolutely. There's also something super alluring about it, right? Like when I'm working with athletes or clients that haven't been in a CrossFit gym space or a functional training space, that's all brand new to them, Mm -hmm. right? So they've seen kettlebells when they've watched ESPN or they've seen, in your case, like these punching bags, these different things. But I think that the more awareness a sport gains, the less likely someone is to align with it or think they can do it. Yeah. So the minute you get to work with someone one-on-one and show them like, hey, this is how you swing a kettlebell, that's super empowering. They might have been sitting in 24-hour fitness on the ground and this client, you know, this 55-year-old woman who's like, I don't even know what that is. I don't want to hurt myself picking it up. Now is super empowered being able to do it. Mm, yeah. So I think that it has a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of cathartic release and you're getting to get a lot of stress and anger and all these different emotions out, but it's also a huge confidence builder because they're like, oh my God, I can do that thing that was on TV with that super jacked girl or super jacked guy that I never thought I could do. Look at how capable my body is. There's a mirror for you as you're doing the workout. Like if I were to be just punching a punching bag yesterday, I doubt I would have been Doing it with the same kind of ferocity as uh, that I was with Brendan, being like left, right, left, right, right, duck, left, yeah. right, left, 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 duck, and uh, that shit was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. It takes some like coordination too, and like you have to kind of, you know, remember the combination. So your brain's working, your body's working. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's fucking exhausting, yeah. and you don't realize how exhausted you're getting. 
to that, take a little break. Those are the those are the best workouts when you can get super exhausted without realizing that you're getting exhausted, and then you walk back and you're limping. That was, for me, I did uh, volleyball for a summer, like beach mm. volleyball. Got pretty psyched on on that. You're you're big into volleyball too. I, I, I am. see that devilish smile on your face, Lindsay. But uh, that, I was that's just a trying to one. you're just trying to meet chicks. Let's, yeah, let's be real. <laughs> beach volleyball. I was. I mean, there was actually down in. Uh, in Santa Cruz, it was right off of the Harbor Beach at the Palomar mm-hmm. where we would all play volleyball. And technically, that was the only beach that you could drink alcohol on for a number of years because mm. it was still considered uh, Palomar uh, property. So we would go down there and we'd play beach volleyball and people would be getting wasted and we would have speakers down there. And it all got shut down with like it was one week, like a few weeks after Burning Man when like someone brought down a bunch of MDMA and like the <laughs> girls started taking their tops off. And yeah. like Palomar owner was like, this just, yeah, I, I think that this is one step too far, guys. <laughs> too good and of then, a time. And then the city shut, it, shut down. it down. But yeah, that was I was getting good at volleyball that summer. Uh, especially on MDMA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> MDMA, I, topless chicks. I at least thought I was really good was, at volleyball. Kyle's showing up every single day. <laughs> They're like, you go, you go, you go. You're like, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's no, so nice. we go. Yeah, we. Yeah. <laughs> you go. We all go. Oh, that's funny. MDMA and competitive sports probably would not go well together. No. I no. bet you it could do, I don't know, you know, like there's so many companies like big Fortune 500 companies or these teams that are investing in mindset coaches now Yep. that sure, I'm. it probably would not do you any good on the field or on the court. But as far as building a synergy between your team and trust and an openness, I could see it like a behind the scenes kind of helpful thing. Yep. That's yeah. a really good point. Corporate building stuff like that. I mean, it's putting the brain into a into a state where it's interpreting fear differently, right? You know, so you're able to kind of reframe things. And I also are using think it, it has something to do with gratitude. They've done a lot of studies that when you are in gratitude, your brain cannot physically process any other emotion. Yep. That's really interesting. So when people are, that's one of the first things I do with clients is if they're struggling with depression or anxiety or any of those things, it's like every night before you go to bed, I want you to write three things that you are grateful for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first it's like, oh, I'm grateful for my health or I'm grateful for my friend, you know, and they're like these very kind of blanket gratitude statements um, but at the, the kicker is that you can never go to bed being grateful for the same thing that you were grateful for an, another night. So then you have to start getting really creative, right? I was grateful for the fact that when I woke up this morning, I turned on my light switch and had electricity. I'm grateful for the fact that my almond milk in the fridge didn't go rotten. You know, these different things that people start finding gratitude in everyday moments of their life. And they see that it's this underlying thread that can be so much more prominent in their lives than their depression, than their anxiety. And it kind of yeah. gives them the ability to reframe every moment. Yeah, isn't what you said too about how feeling gratitude uh, is the only emotion that you can feel and how rare that is. Because if you look at most other emotions like, I don't know, anger or something, there's a lot wrapped up in that. There's Absolutely. also fear, there's some kind of insecurity, there's 
you know this kind of the miasma of other of, of other emotions wrapped up in anger but gratitude kind of allows you to see things more clearly and i would i bet from from a business mindset too that could be very powerful just for for clarity of thought um because it's so easy you know in in the business world to get wrapped up in scarcity and fear and like you start fighting these petty little battles and for some kind of psychologist to be able to like to get you to take your company to the next level or something like that i'll bet you that being able to think in an abundance mindset would be really beneficial yeah that's the truth and one of the the odd things about business is that and i've learned this from running a business the goal is to continue to grow and grow and grow and it it is a dangerous road to go down. It's a weird road to go down. And I'm I notice it every single month when Joe and I look at the numbers of Santa Cruz Medicinals. We're like, all right, so what's the next steps? But running a business in a sort of different way, I mean, shit, Joe and I will do mushrooms together and go, What do we what do we want to do with this? If we're functioning at this dollar amount per month, shouldn't we be good? And we do have kind of a goal in our mind. I think yeah, I think once we start to hit those numbers, we are gonna look at it differently. And it's a weird thing because if we had any investors on board or anybody else, that would not work. It's like, wait, you're telling us when you get to this number, you're going to be good? You're not going to release more products? You're not going to spend more on marketing? Like, that seems like the dumbest thing ever. But, I mean, shit, it's kind of what, it's kind of one of the downsides of capitalism. It's like, you are trying to constantly grow. And I think that's what creates a lot of issues in, in, in business. I mean, it's the name of the it, game, but it... It can. It. I think it depends on what you're selling, because if your product has this this negative impact on society, and you're growing as at a co- at at really um, no, w- w- and w- the more you grow, then the more you will have this negative cost on so- cost on society. But uh, if you look at like a technology company or something like that, it's not necessarily having an negative impact and it's not like taking up resources the more that it grows i think that it more just depends on the nature of what it is that you're selling that makes sense yeah yeah that's true i mean it, it's tough it's tough to run a business without kind of harming the environment totally i mean when you walked in our house in the south this day you see yeah. a bunch of just packaging supplies and and trash like it's it's been an interesting kind of conundrum in my head but but overall I, th- I mean i think we're doing good but like it's yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, but from a psychological standpoint, like just asking yourself when is enough, I think is really important. Yeah. Right? Because you do lose something when you get to a certain level of success or fame or anything. I mean, like, let's take fame, for example. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio could not have just gone and done that little swim with us. Because ten people on the no. the cliff on the way down would have wanted to get his photo, like so. It actually you lose certain things when you grow to a certain scale, um, which is why working with smaller boutique companies can be a much better experience sometimes, because there's that more personalized um, experience. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So. Were you saying, just so I make sure I'm tracking correctly, you were saying that having an investor would have told you to stop growing at a certain point and no, you want no. to continue? If we, if, we had an, if we had investors, we would not even be able to, to have the discussion of, hey, when we get to a certain 
you know, revenue per month, we can kind of chill. That's not a that's not something an investor would ever want to hear. You I mean, the name of the game in investing is to grow your investment as much as possible. So yeah, if you, if we brought on investors that would yeah, we would have to hide that from them, you know, that yeah, yeah that we don't want to just grow and grow and grow and grow. I mean, we do right now, but yeah, I, I have kind of different goals for my company that are outside the the realm of traditional business and like what? So we want to get to a place where we have enough revenue to to create new products and have fun, but not to where we're trying to exponentially grow, right? So right now we're taking pretty much all of our profits, save some, but we're pretty much taking all of our profits and investing it back into the business. And I want to get to a point where that revenue, you know, pays for myself and Joe to to live life and do our thing. And then that's kind of it. Just a little bit goes back into the business and it's sort of a self-sustaining thing. We don't have to take on any outside money, which most companies do. Most companies in our position would go right to investors and try to raise as much money. Hey, we have proof of concept. Let's raise a bunch of money and just off to the races. But there's a lot of danger in that. I mean, it's a it's a tricky thing. It's It makes things really complicated. Do you really have a quick. number in mind of when you get to a certain amount of uh, passive income, that's when you would kind of take your foot off the gas or any of those kinds of uh, scenarios that you've set up in your mind of knowing when when is enough for you? Yeah. So, I mean, just, just to step back. So, we started this business as a side hustle. We, Joe and I both wanted a side hustle to make a little bit of extra money. And we thought getting into the kind of e-commerce um, hemp CBD game would be really fun. We quickly realized that it's a shit show of horrible products. So we developed something good. And it's it's really taken off. Um, Joe still works a full-time job in the cannabis industry in California for Monterey Cushco. And I work a full-time job in the cannabis industry for a distribution company. So it is a side hustle. And it's really grown. And, and one quick thing about developing a side hustle, because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast want to do it, is don't quit your day job. I've, I've had so many friends try to, hey, I want to get into this new thing. And I'm, I'm going all in because there's this thing of, oh, I got to go all in or else I'm not living. I'm not feeling it. it's like, no, you can dip your toe into the water and you're going to want to have income to feed that project. So, yeah, keep your day job, you know, if you can, if it's fun, if it's not too bad. Yeah, you, you hear the great stories that are publicized about the people that went all in and it worked out, but everyone who went bankrupt didn't make the headlines. Yeah, yeah, you always hear those stories, right? Like the people who drop out of college, you know, and then your friend tells yeah. you, dude, like, you know. No one believed in me. And yeah, was, Zuckerberg dropped out. It's like, dude, you're dropping out of, like, Deanza. You're not dropping out of Harvard. Yeah. Like, let's you're just like, oh. pump the brakes. I was sleeping in my mom's duplex in San Jose. And yeah. then, you know, it ended up working out because my dad had some capital. But, exactly. you know, it could have very much well not have. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, I agree yeah, with so, you. I think that's smart. So that number, we do have like a monthly revenue number that I think that, that it could get to. And it's somewhere north of $200,000 a month in revenue. Um, and then the other option would be to sell the company, which a lot of uh, consumer packaged goods companies do sell. If you look at some of your favorite brands of supplements, you will probably see that they're owned by a bigger company. 
um, you know, Primal Kitchen just got bought by Heinz, and people see that, and they sometimes view it as a really negative thing, but lately, these larger companies don't want to come in and disrupt what these kind of niche brands have going. They don't want to mess with the ingredients. They don't want to mess with the production. They don't want to mess with the brand too much because they don't really understand it. So that's the kind of two avenues I see. And um, yeah, hopefully we get there. If you then were to sell the company and make a chunk of change, what do you think you'd do with that money? What would I do with that money? So that's kind of, yeah, that's a conundrum in my mind because I don't want to stop working. I, if you, yeah, I've seen people just kind of, I've, I've had friends that have made a lot of money and, um, if you just stop working and stop doing anything, I've seen people go down some weird rabbit holes. So I don't know. I would want to do something. I don't know what that would be, but I would not just like disappear into the ether. You know, I do want to buy a house in Costa Rica, but I would not just like be there, like growing out a beard, like, you know, like, Oh, no one's heard from Brendan in, in years. Maybe months, maybe no one's heard from Brendan in months. That that could be fine, but uh, yeah, no, I don't know what I would want to do, but I would I would want to be involved, doing stuff, working on stuff. I mean, who knows what that would be? But disappearing off the grid, nah, 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 Not my nah. Thing. Yeah, well, it's it's a good um, at least mental scenario to run through where okay if i were to make this amount of money what would i actually do with it because you see a lot of pro athletes that make a huge amount of money in a short amount of time and then they go broke very quickly after because they haven't run through that scenario in their mind um i think they're also a lot of times when you look at who's making it pro and where they're coming from a lot of those athletes you know a sport was their ticket out and have never, ever been exposed to a financial advisor, right? Mm-hmm. Or how do you, I, I think that when a lot of athletes, or I would like to think that when a lot of athletes go broke, it's like, cool, you bought your mom the Mercedes, but you had no idea what like the, the car, aftermath of that was going to be. The car payments were You know be, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you, you moved out yeah. of, you know, you did this out of a place of love and gratitude and like wanting to show your affection, right? But it's not the, I mean, these kids are getting famous, getting drafted the pros in like their late teens, early 20s. If someone was like, here, Lindsay, here's a huge contract with a ton of money at 18 years old, I would probably have been broke too. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike Tyson said he said the he blew through a lot of money. If anybody wants to look that up, I mean, he's doing OK now. But um, he said the money doesn't go in chunks of one hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. It goes in four hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, because everybody's asking for, you know, hey, I really need five hundred dollars, Mike. You know, I really need it this time. And that's not even a thought. for OK, five hundred dollars. Yeah, sure. But he's like, that's what the money goes in. That's a yeah. really and and that's kind of good for yeah. personal finance. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe you know, buying a, a car for twenty, thirty grand, like, yeah, that that's one thing. But money does go in those, you know, those the seven dollar coffee foods run. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know what though? I read a book uh, a couple months ago that was huge for me called "I Will Teach You to Be Rich." By I've, Ramit I've seen Sethi. people posting that. I need to get that. It's fucking good. Um, this guy Ramit is a he's a financial gangster, and he just lays out that. I, I think one thing I appreciate, but one thing that I appreciate about his philosophy is that um, most people are mostly the same when it comes to finances and what we want and what we need to do. We don't need to make this c- crazy complex playbook of investing, but if you take these, it's a six week 
course. And he says, if you follow this six week course, it will help you financially. And, you know, in the first week he says, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of making this up on the weeks, but he says, uh, go through all of your automated payments. Like what are all the subscription services that you've signed up for that gym membership? Ask yourself, do I really need this gym membership? And he said, if you think you do cancel it for a month see how many times you actually go to the gym and would it be more um, financially sound for you just to do drop-in passes? And that, I, I actually canceled my uh, membership to In Shape Fitness as a result of, of that because I was like, no, I want to have it. I just want to have access to the gym whenever I want to go and I'm, I want to stay fit. And then I, I was like, okay, I'll cancel it from them. I'm like, I went four times and yeah. I could probably just cancel that altogether and go somewhere else. Um so to your point, like you just cancel a few of those subscriptions. Another thing I did is I um I have Spotify and I got on the Spotify plan with it's like a family plan mm-hmm. where you sign up with three people and it's five bucks each for a fifteen dollar plan rather than you do it yourself, which is like ten bucks each. Um, that was a big one for me. And then the another one was um, you set up a separate bank account at at, at a at an online institution. So it's like Ally or Capital One 360 where they don't have, um, they don't need to, to hire people because there's no physical institution. And as a result, you can get higher in- interest rates mm. um, on your savings account. So you set up a savings account there and then you have automatically the money transferring from your local bank into the savings account. And you'll, you can get like upwards of 2, 2.4% uh, interest. And psychologically, it makes it easier because it makes it so that that money is then over there and it takes a longer amount of time for it to transfer it back into your checking. Hmm. That's amazing. Like all that shit's so helpful to think Bio-hacking about. Biohacking for yep. your bank account. Exactly. Yeah. That's a new book right there. Yeah. Just, you, you, <laughs> could be, you could be famous and have an eight pack, but still be broke. Yeah. So. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but money is one of those weird things. It's like sex where that we, like you, you don't want to talk about it. It's a really... Yeah kind of uh, it's awkward for a lot of people Uh, i've been i've been so bad about that with running this business because you know i'll just straight up tell you know oh my god last month we did sixty thousand dollars and then but really that's not like i'm like people sometimes will hear that and they'll be like oh my god brendan just made sixty thousand dollars a month no that's not even close to what you know it's like no 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 i sold sixty thousand dollars worth of products paying for you know the products the shipping the packaging the people like no it's but uh yeah like i like i like discussing financial stuff pretty openly um especially about the business because i think it helps a lot of people but yeah i have seen some people where they open up and they want to discuss it and sometimes people kind of shut down Mm -hmm. to hear that stuff It, it definitely is a sensitive subject yeah yeah and some of those things though like you want I like spending money on things that I love, like yep. things that really bring me joy or being able to be what? I was what just thinking say? Marie Kondoing your... Uh, oh, I'm Marie Kondoing my, my <laughs> Your my bank life. account, your but like coffee, financials. But coffee's an example of that where like if you want a really good $5 cup of coffee, that's probably not going to break the bank nearly as much as the reoccurring payments will on everything else. And what I've noticed about the $5, $6, $7 cup of coffee is... I'm going for the experience, right? Yep. Like I love coffee. Do not get me wrong. Cat and Cloud is right down the street from us. Um, it's actually how I met Kyle. I like saw him in there one day. I was like, hey, I like your podcast. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I have no problem paying $5 for a cup of coffee if that comes with an hour long conversation with a friend. Mm. Right. Or I love going to our local coffee shops because like the barista knows me by name and asks me like, hey, how was coaching this morning? Or, you know, these little things that, again, going back to like finding the gratitude within your day, I would I feel like that's a five dollar investment in my mental health as -hmm. opposed to a five dollar, you know five dollars wasted on a cup of coffee yeah i agree i'm a sucker for that i mean where 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 i spend a lot of money is if it's going to benefit my health or if it's a fun experiment i can do in my health yeah i'm known to waste some money you know on that or sometimes it's not a waste sometimes it's something i end up integrating into my daily routine and and for the rest of my life i mean shit so um waste or not waste though i mean one thing that the reason i wanted to bring both you guys on this podcast is because you both take your physical health um you really prioritize it like i it's and correct me if if this philosophy doesn't jive with either of you but what it seems like is that you see like your body and your mind as intimately connected and your mind is going to run much more sharply and smoothly if your body is in peak physical condition um and it also gives you the sense of self-esteem uh, that you can derive from and just just pushing up against something really hard every day that allows you to take life on a little bit more easily. Are all those things true for both of you guys? Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I mean, for sure. I mean, look at what we just did. So Kyle just made us jump in the ocean and With swim high around. tide and like kind of gnarly waves. I'm putting but that out there. It was a little big. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't easy. But um, I mean, the, the coolest part about that is the cold exposure. And so from like a mental point of view, I mean, you could look at a cold plunge as something that athletes do, you know, oh yeah, athletes always get in ice baths and cryotherapy and cold showers to enhance their body. But you can also look at it, I mean, they're using it right now for treatment of depression and anxiety. And uh, the, the main thing you can hear Dr. Rhonda Patrick talk about it is norepinephrine, which is a neurotransmitter and a hormone that gets released during cold exposure. And uh, she talks about it a lot because it's the one thing you can't deny with cold exposure no matter what, every single person that gets exposed to cold, you release norepinephrine. So there, there's some studies about different things with cold exposure that one study will show this, one study will show this. Every single study, doesn't matter what it is, cold exposure, you're releasing norepinephrine. And um, it, it's a neurotransmitter that's involved in your anxiolytic pathways, um, depression, anxiety. Um, I mean... You just feel great after cold exposure, and norepinephrine is one of those um, pathways that that it you can't help it. Yeah, it, take a cold shower; you're going to release norepinephrine. It's so, kind of insane. I yeah. think what's really cool about it, and at least like what my experience has been, is you know I've been an athlete my entire life. I have coached CrossFit the last seven years. I've watched people. I think all too often we take for granted this thing that gets us place to place in life every day. Right. We're all living in a body and so many people have abandoned theirs or are so disconnected from it that when you can start to assist somebody into coming back into their own and discovering their own skin and discovering the capabilities of their body, it's a really beautiful thing. Like, I think our body, our body knows um, it whispers to us a lot. And a lot of the times with technology and how busy our days are and all these different things, we don't stop to listen to the whispers I know with my experience that it took my body yelling at me and saying, stop, you know, and like, okay, you're not listening to any of these signs I've sent you. I'm going to give you this 
gnarly injury that has taken you out of the game for two and a half years. And now you're listening, right? So it took, I thought my body was prime and I was an athlete and I was doing all the things and I wasn't listening to it at all. I was pushing it way harder than it needed to be pushed. I was ignoring all of the little aches and pains or, you know, like a issue with my skin or these different signs that our body sends us all the time. And I was putting the band-aid on like, oh, I'm an athlete. I'm supposed to be sore or, you know, no pain, no game. These different things that we get from society all the time. And I think that whether it's like cold exposure or the swim we did, right? Like having gratitude for my body in that moment for like, thank you for not drowning. Thank you for getting me through that. And when we got onto the stairs, it was like, I had so much pride in the fact that my body was capable of doing that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big mental boost. And I think what we're getting to is there. it seems like lately there's a new kind of crowd of people who take their body and their, their actual like physical health seriously as well as their mental health. And I feel like, you know, you've probably had a lot of both crowds in your podcast where you get kind of the person who might identify as a like a nerd right and they're they're super smart they're they're really well read and intelligent but they might view the physical health as something else or other but i think more now and now you have people like kyle kingsbury who like hmm, this dude's jacked and he's you know six foot four all muscle but he's also really fucking smart. he's also a nerd yeah, yeah and it's like <laughs> I, I don't know like i think there's something amazing in that and uh i mean that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to blend both but your body and your brain are one thing and if you can dial in your you know whatever it, your health routine your exercise your brain's gonna function better and well, you're just gonna be able to do more and think better i mean fuck absolutely i mean there's so much research going into like the the gut being the second brain and all these different things, right? But what I think is starting to change now and the trend that I'm hoping is going to take off is the fact that we've been able to medicalize the physical body. We've been able to take your heart rate and do these different things and say, hey, you're according to this BMI, which is, in my opinion, kind of bullshit, but according to this, you're overweight, lose weight. What's or, BMI? body mass index. So for how tall you are, how much you weigh, how much you should weigh, what makes you obese, it doesn't really take into consideration how much of that weight may be muscle weight, right? I mean, when I was competing and I was the strongest and the leanest I'd ever been, on my BMI, I was considered morbidly obese. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have have a buddy who's like my height, but like jacked and it's like he's like morbidly obese in his BMI. Yeah. He's just jacked. And it's just like, it's a chart. Like you are this tall on the x-axis, I'm this tall, and on the y-axis, I should weigh this much. And yeah. if it's over that, I'm obese. If it's under that, I'm emaciated, right? But I think what science is getting closer and closer to doing is starting to medicalize mental health instead of stigmatize it. So, I mean, last time I was on the show, we talked about ACE scores, right? Um, the Surgeon General of California, um, which is also a new position that has never been held in California before, which is pretty crazy to think of, um, is integrating these ACE scores into kids like primary care, like physicals. And so we're starting to medicalize mental health. And by doing that... Remind people what ACE scores are? Adverse childhood experiences. So there's 10 Mm. different different experiences and they range from um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, if your parents were divorced, right? Having a single family household... 
if mental health disorders run in your family, if there's addiction in your family, these different things. And what they found is with a score of four or more, you're, and the more you, the more you accumulate or the more you have, the higher your risk is for these major killers, right? Heart disease, depression, developing your own addiction, these different things. And now it's normalizing it for people. Like, of course, you had all of these adverse experiences in your childhood. Your addiction or your depression or your multiple personality disorder was your body and your mind's attempt at solving a problem. Now you're not outcasted. You're not wrong for having this. We have some sympathy and we have now kind of a standardized medical unit that we can use insurance and pay for your therapy because this is clearly downstream going to affect your health and be a huge burden and a huge cost on the medical system, which isn't an ideal way to look at it. Like, okay, so we're only looking at people's mental health because we're noticing that it's costing us a lot of money. But if that gets the ball rolling and that gets people's awareness up, that's awesome. Right. That's a huge stride. And we can start to really integrate the mind and the body and how they're connected. Yeah. No, I mean, that it is a weird way to look at it. But I think that's how you're right. That is how the ball gets rolling in today's society. It is a good way to get the ball rolling, saying, hey, this is a huge drain on us financially. When people are mentally unwell, they end up costing us tons of money. This is stupid. We're, we're actually hemorrhaging money, and we could, by helping them earlier in their life, save us a lot of money. I mean, yeah, it's a weird way to look at it because these are human beings, but, I mean, <laughs> shit, that, that gets the ball rolling. It's the system we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. You need to set up the right levers of incentives within the system that we're living in to get those um, mechanisms to to take place. And a lot of times that is uh, looking at it financially. There's a, a group, um, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent, but there's a group called Save the Waves and they have this whole uh, campaign um, where they they look at waves and, and uh, coastal areas and then they look at all of the money that's generated from surf tourism in those areas and then they submit those reports to government that are uh, looking to, let's say, build a huge port or hotel on this pristine beach yep. um, that would destroy the natural beauty of it because if they don't set um, a price on how much it's worth, the, the government will value that as zero dollars. You could argue that they're not valuing it correctly enough because as you say, like you're not valuing, you know, all of the other externalized, uh, you know, benefits of, you know, mental health and happiness and joy. Like how many, how many fights do you alleviate by people being able to just go down and hang out on the beach for a day and chill? Yeah. You know, how many, how many fights do you alleviate by, by giving people access to working out? Like, yeah, I'll bet you guys, so many guys would be so much more violent if they didn't have workouts. That, that is very true. There's some people in my jujitsu gym where I'm like, dude, really? thank, thank yeah. God you're here, dude. <laughs> yeah. like, thank God you have an outlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you definitely had some dark stuff, yeah. and um, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, it's it's so true, Like, and, and I'm sure you see this as a personal trainer, uh, you know, like, it... Like, sure, people are coming in to work out and they know it's going to benefit their brain and everything, but it spills over once they really get the ball rolling into everything in their lives. Like, oh, my relationship with my wife is better. I'm having more sex. I'm eating healthier. Like, I'm, oh, I'm crushing it at work. It's just, it spills over. You know, it's like, 
yeah, you could look at a, a gym membership or starting a new routine as kind of a, a burden, but it's going to spill over. You're going to end up, you're going to make more money. You're going to feel better. Like it, I mean, do you guys remember amazing. like a, when you guys were just getting into this, obviously podcasts have influenced a lot of the decisions you've made in your life and have probably benefited you hugely. Um, do you remember like listening to a podcast or reading a book and then setting some kind of goal, like like seeing yourself in a new light, like maybe I could do this, maybe I could become that, like just having the mental like flicker of like, holy shit, maybe like I could run a triathlon or I could do a CrossFit uh, competition or may, like, I think that those those moments of like mental flickering when we see ourselves in a new light um are really powerful because then we start to believe in ourselves and then our actions will push us closer towards that identity conversely if we think that we're pieces of shit we're going to have actions that um align with that and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy absolutely and i think for me personally is it took me something's only impossible until it's not right so i remember walking into the crossfit gym when i first heard doing it and I saw this girl, like a fraction of the size, just knocking out pull-ups. And I was like, what the heck? I can't do one of those. But this girl who looks about, you know, like I said, a fraction of my size is totally doing it. So the fact that I know she can, I know my body's capable. If I train the way that she's training, I know I can do that. Um, but I do think that the podcast world and the biohacking world and all of these different things has created a really great vessel for us to be our own best experiment. Hmm. And I can see what works for me and what doesn't. Um, I think that it's circulated a lot of information that if I'm interested in something, I can go down the wormhole and find out so much more than I was ever able to find out before. And then I can see how something works for me. Sure, I know that these are supposed to be all the benefits, but my body is going to work completely different than yours, Kyle, and then yours is going to be completely different from Brennan's, right? Like, we are going to have to find out what hacks, for lack of a better word, work for us just by being our own best experiment. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, one of the most interesting podcasts I ever listened to was pretty early on. I was, I was younger, and it was Tim Ferriss describing how he built his first sports supplement company and it was just him describing basically the the kind of e-commerce hustle and how he built that thing and I'm like shit like I could totally do that I mean because the way he describes things is just just boiled down information of he he describes the actual thing he did but he describes the steps that he took to get him there as basic as Oh, then I walked to the post office and I shipped out the orders. Oh, I went online and I I, oh, I called this company and did this. And you're like, yeah, I could totally do that. And that that's one of the things that that led to me creating an e-commerce company. And yeah, it's it's fucking amazing, man. Podcasting like is is incredible because it's it, you know as I was talking with you about this, it's like I, you know I have a great dad. He doesn't have three hours a day to to be in my ear. You know, I love my dad. I think he's, I think he's pretty cool, but he's not as cool as listening to fucking Kyle Kingsbury or Ben <laughs> Greenfield or Tim Ferriss. You know, like, yeah, you can have these people in your ear who are just incredible, and you can absorb so much more information than ever before, and it's way more curated information. Right. It's it's stuff about a life that I would want to live. You yeah. Know? It's it's cool and if you want to go down those rabbit holes, really, there is the information out there for you to figure out what's right. 
So for you guys, what um, what has worked really well for you from a physical standpoint in your life? Like, what were some things that you took on that then you were like, "Whoa, this had a really big impact, like major benefit." Morning um, routines, morning routines. That, and, that's and, the key. And and conversely, like things that you tried that we can maybe get to this after, but that were you like, "Eh, that didn't really work for me." So let's let's go through some of the the big ones. Yeah, I mean, morning routines is is the key thing for me and it's what I try to get all my friends on and and everybody. I mean, the morning routine will look different for every person, but if you're not if you're just starting your day off and you're just on your phone, you're just jumping right into it, you're you're fucked in in my opinion. Like you you can't start your day that way. It's a horrible way to just set up your system from a biological point of view and just mentally. I mean, you're just you're screwed. So uh, my morning routine looks like uh, I wake up and I drink uh, water with a, with a little Himalayan sea salt. Himalayan Why? salt in there. Um, so Himalayan salt's just minerals. I mean, people are really afraid of salt, especially like our parents' generation. They do not want to consume salt, but it's minerals, it's electrolytes. Not a lot. You know, you're not dumping a whole thing of salt in there, but good amount of uh, Himalayan salt, a little pinch in some water. And I'm I do want to interject for just a second. Go ahead. because. One that I get a lot, especially from ladies that I would like to debunk is like, I'm going to get bloated. I'm going to retain water. And it's like, <laughs> well, our body's made up a, a ton of water. Yep. I would assume you probably want to retain a little bit of that. Yeah. Um. So just reframing that for people. Mm. Yeah. No, like, people stay it's hydrated. An, it, like people do not want to do the salt at all. Like they just are like, no, no, my doctor said no salt. It's like, yeah, so that's. You know, people have to Google on their own, like, why salt isn't bad. But, yeah, so you, I wake up, I do that, and then I do a full stretching routine. It takes me about 15, 20 minutes, and a lot of people say, hey, I don't have time to do that. I mean, y- you do, you know, is what I usually tell people. You can wake up 15, 20 minutes earlier and do it. And um, I do stretching and breathing, and uh, I put my phone away during that time. Um, and then, you know, I, I go and I make my kind of coffee drink Um and, and that's how I start my morning. Um, in the end of my stretching thing, I think of three things I'm grateful for. And those usually start out super, very, very superficial. Like, I'm grateful for my dog. He's so cute. And then it kind of boils down into to deeper things by my, by my third gratitude. And then I get the day going. And I'm on Instagram. And I'm doing all my things. But it's just, it, you know, it gives me an advantage. And I take a cold shower after all this. Like, little things to jumpstart the day you just feel like you have an edge and it just sets up the fucking day you're you're more prone to get a good workout and after that you're just more prone to make better decisions if you just jump into the day you're yeah you're fucked yeah i think some things that really helped me um was one getting comfortable with being uncomfortable um we were kind of talking about this before like i had to psych myself up to come over here and do an ocean swim. And Kyle like put that in our head last night at 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> I could choose to like dread that moment or, <laughs> or be like, okay, Lindsay, like this is a challenge. This is a, this is a chance for you to get uncomfortable. I and I so much satisfaction out of doing that too, with both <laughs> of you guys too, because you're always like, all right, Kyle, great. We're going to go do a CrossFit workout. I'm going to, I'm just like, ah, ah he's getting us back. This hurts. Yeah. I'm like, Hey guys, yeah. let's go into the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome, right? We talked about we got done and like I felt so good about it. And I think that if we can pick something each day that makes us a little bit uncomfortable, 
we're setting ourselves up to be successful because how often, I mean, you talked about it before, we're uncomfortable talking about finances, right? We're uncomfortable talking about sex. We might be uncomfortable in our own skin. If we start to do things that challenge that narrative and we start to prove to ourselves that we can overcome that, you leave with a completely different psychological view of it. I don't think anyone goes to a CrossFit workout and is like, I'm doing this to be like super comfortable and happy with myself. It's like, no, it's going to hurt. I'm going to sweat. I yeah, like, might knock up my shins a little bit with this barbell. Like, yeah, it's, it's how we've evolved. I mean, that's how that's how human beings have evolved. I mean, the process of hormesis, which is, you know, the body's adaptation to stress. That's what how what's it, it called. Hormesis. Hormesis. Yeah. And so like when you're taking it's something, the, the, the body's. Adaptation, adaptation to stress. So, okay. so there's different um, biological processes, like with all these things that are good for us. A lot of times, it's it's the body adapting to stress. So, like you can take a supplement like reishi mushroom, and people are like, "Oh, it enhances the immune system." What it's really doing is is it's tricking your immune system that it's under attack. Really, and so your body flares up its its natural kind of antibodies, but it's not really under attack. It's it's just a you know a good fungus for the body essentially. And so you're producing a bunch of, you know, anti, you know, you're combating inflammatory cytokines and your body is ramping up its defenses for an attack that never comes. So you're enhancing your immune system. Well, because when we're stressed out, right, you think back to hunter-gatherer society, we would get stressed because, say, we're going hunting and we come across a bear, right? Our cortisol levels spike or our, some of those our armad- heart starts or beating. some of those fucking armadillos that used to be like 10 feet long you guys read <laughs> sapiens those things used to exist when early, yeah when early hunter gatherers were coming down through latin and through central and south america they were fucking armadillos that were bigger than people and we hunted them to extinction damn savage shit can you imagine going a like fucking 10 foot armadillo foot armadillo and imagine how stressed you'd be yeah. Right. Yeah. So You'd our body, so we ask our immune system and our inflammatory response to kick in because if that 10 foot armadillo decided to take a bite out of you, our body would already be ready to start healing that wound. Yep. So when we're in fight or flight, our immune system is through the roof. Do you guys ever think about how like what an- how what animals would be like if they were at different sizes? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so so scary. I think or insects. Do you, I had this thought first thought I w- woke up with this morning. I'm like, you guys want to hear about my fucking morning routine? <laughs> I wake up and I have like 150 flurry thoughts before I get out of bed until I'm like fetal, like in the fetal position. Like, oh god, Kyle, get up, please, please, <laughs> just like, please slow down the mind, please slow down the mind, and like gradually I make it through. But this this morning, my thought was. We have two and a half foot tall insects, and they are called lobsters. Oh, yeah. If you shrunk a lobster down to six inches, you'd think, oh, that's a little insect crawling around on my floor. But it's a fucking lobster. Is that, I'm, I'm the yeah. only person who, who <laughs> thinks this is crazy. It, it is pretty fucking They're crazy. They're huge. Yeah. And I'm going to go I'm gonna go diving for lobsters. Uh, pretty soon here, you gotta like grab them and like pin them as hard as you can mm. because they'll turn around, and fucking bite you. you. Yeah, they'll Damn. pinch you. Yeah. So we kind of do have, or, or go or, to like, Australia. Or you ever think about like, um, what if, uh, what if an octopus lived on land? Oh my god! Like how crazy those animals are. Those things can change color and texture. 
And size. Well, I mean, and size. People, to people try to put them. People try to put them in little aquariums, and they'd like fucking you know they'll like put the code in they'll like escape <laughs> yeah. they'll make themselves a cup of coffee get in your tesla and fucking drive away i mean 100 dude they'll like yeah. you know, get on the intercom like this is frank yeah. uh please drain open your the, bank account please open the doors yeah, yeah they'll, they'll drain your frank bank i've account. logged into your wells fargo you're fucked you're <laughs> locked thing, in your my bathroom money's an ally totally yeah, <laughs> yeah. damn <laughs> octopus we're lobster proof yeah <laughs> we're lobster and uh octopus and proof, octopus proof. Yeah. So I, so when you're when you're diving, um, have you ever looked into like history of like coastal dwelling people? Because did they they must have spearfished and and you know? Oh, we ate abalone. Yeah, yeah we were we were. Uh, yeah, I, I know a bit about it. Like the Ohlone tribe here in Santa Cruz, um, up and down our coast, we had the red abalone, which is like a foot and a half big abalone that is really meaty and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would just go out and it, on the low tide line just pick abalone up and and those things provide a huge uh, protein source and are really easy to get. Yeah, but I mean they had to get in the fucking Santa Cruz ocean. They had to no get in the wetsuit. Cru- you know, another thing is that like the the great white shark and just shark populations back then were most likely really high. Like and, fucking uh, you, a. Yeah, I mean you hear about even during like um, like World War Two in uh, is it World. World War Two in Hawaii, like a lot of those, uh, there was a lot of shark attacks. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the great white uh, populations went down significantly over the last last uh, maybe fifty years, and now they're starting to come back again. Because what do of they? What do they attribute that dip in population um, to? A lot. We were hunting a lot of sharks, um, and we were also overfishing massively so like monterey bay for example was almost seen as a dead zone because um the uh because early fishermen had come in here we nearly wiped out the uh sea otter we almost completely wiped out the red abalone which is why it's still illegal to um get red abalone in santa cruz and Mm. it was legal up in mendocino up until just recently um, when they made it illegal but a lot of the ecosystems have have kind of come back and, and rebounded over the last little while. Uh, where are we going with this? I mean, well, hunter gatherer societies, though. Yeah, yeah. hunter gatherers would they would eat a ton of abalone. Um, they would up in you know down in in, in Big Sur actually. Um, you go up to like the, the top of the world up one of those roads, and there are um, still Native American um, little uh, like stone areas where you can see acorn burns in the stone because they would just um, mush it like uh, I don't know what the what the correct terminology is, but they would like mush all the the acorns down from the top of the world there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, that's ins- so. Think about that. The 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 <clears throat> point being, we come from savages like her our ancestors are savages and they encountered so much stress like acute stress just to survive and now like we're kind of taking this like you know it's it's what we've accepted of hey we're gonna have a way more safe life now but if you don't expose yourself to some of that stress it's what's deeply in our genetics to function properly as a human being that's what we come from I mean, that's how we got here. And so, like, if you're not going to lift some heavy shit, expose yourself to some heat or some cold, then your stress is going to manifest in different ways, and it's going to fuck up your health. 
I, I, feel, I feel like I'll just make a, a note. You use the word savage in a very like positive context. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, you're a, like you're a fucking savage, bro. <laughs> just, you uh, used like, to be a caveman. Yeah, yeah. You used to be a caveman. You're a fucking savage, right? Yeah, sa- <laughs> savage in a positive yeah, you're, context. You're not using it like uh, Christopher Columbus. Like they're no, savages. I, I don't want to get let's wipe them out. Yeah, I don't want to get contacted <laughs> by some I'm, Native I'm, American. I'm, pro- I'm saving Brandon right there. <laughs> <laughs> the Santa Cruz. You've listened uh, to too many Joe listen. Rogan podcasts. You're fucking savage, bro. No, you're a savage. No, um, yeah, it was just Columbus Day, so you, uh, yeah, we're not a. It's uh, like, yeah. do you know? I was thinking about it in regards to like, um, what did you say? Hormesis. Horm- yep. Hormesis. It's like you have two choices: either you stress yourself with physical exercise, or you stress yourself during every other activity in the day. I think that stress is a natural response. Right. I, I really do. And I think that it can manifest positively or negatively. Right. Like if we didn't have our fight or flight response, we'd be in a lot of danger. Um, they're actually finding they now call it fight, flight, freeze, freeze or fawn um, because there's so many people that freeze. Um, and then fawn is kind of like. um. <laughs> I don't want to say flirting, but trying to like, if someone's trying to like they take tr- you captive, right? They, you- be- they become uh, like obsequious, you know, that, that word. It's like kind of like uh, overly uh, trying to please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's natural for our bodies to go into that state. Right. Um, I think that if we don't have, I think a lot of people are afraid of that state. Um, I'm a big advocate of moving energy through my body. A lot of times I think that people feel discomfort. They feel stress. They feel anxiety. They feel these, what we have deemed negative. We've put this huge stigma around like you're not supposed to be depressed, right? You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be on. You're supposed to high five everyone around you and like put how awesome your life is on social media. So the second we feel different from that, we feel otherness, we start to repress that even though it's a completely natural feeling to have. So something that, you know, going back to your question earlier, something that has really kind of transformed my health and wellness has been sitting with my feelings and really feeling them and letting them move. Because Mm -hmm. if I completely feel the feeling, I let it take over my body. I cry when I want to cry. I get vulnerable about these things. That sounds Mm -hmm. scary. I'm not ready for it. It's scary, man. (laughs) But... It's over, right? It's Brandon, the eye of the Brandon, storm. Let's hit the, let's hit the, let's hit the oh, mitts. No. Let's get let's get the punching bags out. <laughs> Screw this hippie bullshit. Feel I'm not them. ready for it. I, man. I mean, <laughs> Feel them, man. Feel yeah. the feelings. Because if you don't, you are going to at some point. And they are true. going to bubble up and you're going to get a fraction of the feeling that's very scary and terrible and makes you feel anxious. And that's going to manifest throughout your day. Yep. Instead of being like, man, like I'm feeling very vulnerable right now and I'm going to get real with myself and I'm going to feel this. And it's going to be really uncomfortable, but it's going to be uncomfortable for about three minutes. Yeah. And then that has moved through my body and I'm on with my day. Yep. Um, I think that people's negative reactions to stress is their fear of wanting to feel that. Mm-hmm. I drink because of that. Alcohol, for sure. Like most times I grab a beer, I'm like... I feel a little uncomfortable in my own skin. Like I feel a little awkward or just uh, like, I don't feel cool like in my uh, and cool in the sense of like cool with myself. And I find that most times I grab a beer, I am like trying to 
to dampen that mask fe- something mask that feeling yeah and I, I liked what you said earlier about how it's like a, these feelings whisper to you like your body whispers to you but also your emotions will whisper to you like that feeling of discomfort and if you can heed that call you can do something really helpful and and like switch the habit but if, if you guys haven't realized this is kind of like a uh like a cry for help i'm like <laughs> fred and Lindsay, please yeah. I, I wake up i, I crawl into I the fetal position giant lobsters i think about giant lobsters yeah. and then i drink all day <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's your routine that's my routine that's kyle's morning routine no not really I, but i i do think that those this is like if you look at your day and you look at these various um as you said, Brendan, like leveraged moments, like if the morning routine is a really leveraged part of your day, um, I think that you can, on the opposite end, look at these leveraged moments that just take you down really quickly. Like for me, it's um, in the afternoon when I'm feeling a little anxious, grabbing a beer. And mm-hmm. I'm not even like a huge drinker, but now when I have like three beers... I get kind of torn for like 24 hours. We're just the whole next day. I'm like just a little more depressed. A little yep. There's just that little like weighted vest on me. Well, it's kind of like you had that whisper of anxiousness, right? right? You chose not to feel it. Drink three beers. You are going to feel it for 24 hours now. I know. Right? What if in that whisper, in that moment, I let that energy move through my body and I sat with it for a second? It'd probably be there a lot shorter amount of time than 24 hours. Sounds scary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a practice. It's a practice, guys. No, it is, but I, I, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's weird what we normalize. Like I, I'll, I microdose, um, I don't know, every few weeks, I would say. And that always feels more subtle to me than, um, even like a, it, more than a microdose of psychedelics feels more subtle to me than having three beers for like what it does during that time and after. It's just weird that we've stigmatized that, but not alcohol. And some people can, they work great with alcohol, but I think that a, for me, I'm like starting to realize like, oh, it actually, it it impacts my software on a very deep level. And it makes it more difficult for me to podcast, for me to write, for me to like just, uh, yeah, pretty much it, everything. Alcohol is a motherfucker on the brain. I mean, it is. It's. I mean, it's a depressant. That, that's right. what alcohol is. I mean, yeah, I've been I've been microdosing psilocybin a lot. I mean, yeah, like uh, a, a a lot. I mean, I'm talking really really small doses. You know, point one gram little doses sometimes. But yeah, you know, I think it's pretty normal for human beings, and I think history would reflect this that we want something to reach towards to kind of alter our states. And I think alcohol has just been the one lately that's just always around it's what's available to, to people and I, you know i mean it's fun it serves us well sometimes but i don't know i don't know if it's the one you know lately i, I reach for a little microdose of psilocybin or some you know cannabis or some different cannabinoid that i'm researching and i feel better on that it doesn't affect me after i, I don't feel weird the next day yeah you know and it's not for everybody but or and i think also like asking what state you're looking for when you reach for that for that substance like because for me if i want to 
smoke some weed, sometimes like I just get goofy and I want to feel that. Like I want to yeah. be a little just more goofy. And like, ah, I'm going to go to a comedy show. This is going to be great. That's exactly what I was looking for mm-hmm. in that moment. And there's nothing wrong for with that. But if I'm not crystal clear on what it is that I'm looking for, I just know that I want to kind of run away from something right here. It never works out well. There's a little moment when I when it works out well. Like the second drink, I'm like, oh yeah. Yep. Whew. Goodbye. Was, goodbye, anxiety. Damn it. There you are again. <laughs> there you are. That was gonna be my follow-up question is because it sounds like you have this awareness around it. You have this awareness of what drinking brings into your life and your experience. So what is it that keeps you going back for that second beer? Or that first beer even? if you know it's not going to have the positive result you're looking for? Uh, I think just habit. I think that it's it's, that it's right there because I've done a few, like I'm, I've done a lot of those kinds of like power of habit situations where like you Mm -hmm. set yourself up so that, you know, the, the, the board shorts are laid out the night before. So, every morning I'm going to go and do that ocean swim. Like I, I'm pretty good about setting my day up in that way. Um, and I think that a lot of times with the beer thing, it happens from uh, a combination of like being a little tired and just wanting to like turn off the day of per- producing the motherfucker awards and like talking with 50 people a day, trying to push this project over the line. And having someone else be like hey you want to go get a beer Mm. or like hey you want a beer and it's just like it's so easy and that's what i was saying about like just how strange time is in the way that um you know for a positive action like working out it can be uh, it's it's stressful just for a short amount of time but then you get these huge benefits after the fact whereas like drinking alcohol or something is just it's a such a quick decision. It's almost like like um, I w- I would chalk it up to like texting and driving, where like you just you don't think about that decision that you are making, but it has such huge ramifications mm-hmm. for time after. Uh, and I think that that's a lot of times it's just it's like it's usually yeah late in the day when someone else offers me a beer, and I'm like sure great that sounds fine. And it's also not every time. So that's another thing. It's like if I were a violent alcoholic or if I were like a legit depressed person that had suicidal thoughts and it like really was on that level, I think that I would just cut it out completely. But it's all, but because it just makes me a little bit more sad and a little less like creative and on, it it's, I can kind of, argue myself into being able to still do it a little bit Mm -hmm. but i mean as i'm talking to you guys right now it's like obviously there's plenty of other great substances out there to alter the mind that i prefer and have tried most of them um and know that alcohol is not that one for me but i still do it because it's right there in the fridge (laughs) do you know what i'm kind of into though i had one of those lagunitas zero alcohol thc beers recently have you guys tried those no oh yeah they're kind of cool like the i've I was thinking about like I really hope that once t- once THC beer like makes it onto the market, we could go down and like great let's go down to the bar and there's gonna be like kombucha and a little THC beer 
Like that's yeah. my jam. I mean, the the THC beers are are out there. There's a few companies doing them right now. I've had a lot of them, um, and they're nice. It's a little five milligram THC, five milligram yeah. CBD beer. Uh, they have hops in there. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be a cool reality to see that offered in bars. I think we're a ways out from that, but. Yeah, it's interesting to see, like, in San Francisco, they have the cannabis consumption lounges and just kind of the communities that, that are around that. You do see people after work meeting up for a joint, you know, just like in Europe. Right. I mean, in Amsterdam, a lot of people kind of live that life. And it's interesting. You see different kind of people doing that. Uh, and That is yeah. kind of cool. Like, instead of being like, hey, you want to meet up for a beer? Yeah, you want to meet up for a joint? Yep. Like, that's weird. Why don't we do that? I do. It's happening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the world. That, the world that I live in. in the, yeah. You're in the cannabis industry. Yeah, <laughs> the world that I live in. You definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have meetings with people mind. at at um you know the lounges, and we'll smoke a joint and have a meeting. Um, you know, but I mean, <laughs> the dose definitely does matter, right? Like I, I don't know if meeting up uh, with you for for a meeting and smoking a full joint of some thirty percent THC weed would go very well by the end, right? Yeah. Like, but <sighs> the, the yeah, I'm, the, getting, I'm getting anxiety just from thinking exactly. about this. Feel yeah. it, Kyle. I, feel I, it. I need a beer. Move I it. Yeah. <laughs> see, he needs a beer. <laughs> then he'll need to drink three beers. Then by then he's just fucked up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Life is it's life's weird. It's those those subtle little decisions that you make. You know, like the um, I think about it with like uh, f- failed writers or you know writers that have been they've been knocking at that door, submitting their work year after year, never gets published, and it's always that one. Like a lot of them don't know how close they were to success when they quit. And what those little micro decisions were that made them quit or not quit. And I think that a lot of times it is those little habits. Like it's the morning routines. It's what what it is that makes you able to just set yourself up to continue to whatever, submit your book to publishers or go work out again that next day. But like dreams are a weird thing. Like it's, it's people say don't give up on your dreams. It's fucking easy to it's. Dreams are hard to get to. It's hard. Like, I mean, and you super hard. You think about like these big goals, right? Whether yeah. it's to get the book published, to lose fifty pounds, to lift five hundred pounds, whatever it is, right? I think that goal setting is great, but it also inherently takes us out of the moment. Mm. And it is so hard to be mindful when you are wrapped up in tomorrow's goal. And I think that's where those micro decisions happen. I think that people get very caught up in um, what's going to get me there the fastest. How am I going to get it? Um, It's going to look so good on social media when I'm like finally like in all of my glory, right? Instead of, okay, what steps do I need to take today if I can get into my body today to lose the first two pounds on my goal to 50? This is going to be super you know, contrary to, you know, I'm, I'm in the, like the whatever, the entrepreneur world, I do not set big goals. I don't. I do not have any really, really, really big goals. Like, sure, I have these abstract things. I want to sell the company. I want to get to this, like, revenue. I don't have dates for those goals. I don't I don't set big goals like that. I set small goals. You guys are micro-dosing, and I'm micro-goaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> micro Like, I'll, I'll set little little goals. I want to release four new products. <laughs> you guys want a micro-goal? <laughs> micro goal. You guys want yeah. a micro-goal? So tough. Yeah. Like, two grams of micro-goals? Two yeah. grams of micro-goals. Little to-do yeah. list action, guys. <laughs> like, Come on. 
let's, I want to run a marathon. Going. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not ready for that yeah, goal. Yeah. We're going to hit 200 meters <laughs> tonight, guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to take a heroic goal tonight. <laughs> but it, it fucks a lot of people up. Like, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast want to want to get better, you know, and just like feel better. And it's like, that's why I like the morning routine thing. You can make it so simple. You can do one little thing and everybody can do that. It's not like... Not everybody can get through a, a you know an ocean swim or a CrossFit class tomorrow. They're that's they're not gonna happen. They're not there. You know they might be struggling with depression or anxiety or whatever. Y- you can stretch in the morning. Yeah. Uh, it, you know it doesn't matter who you are. So yeah. it it messes people up sometimes when they hear like you gotta set big goals and go crush them and achieve them. It's like or not or you gotta set little goals and then just keep on enhancing on those. Just and, crush today. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Right. And I think that with morning routine or anything else, when you look at one of like a big thing in addiction is um, kind of looking at harm reduction models. Right. And abstinence doesn't work for everybody. But if we can start to create new neural pathways, we can make people's addictive behaviors decrease. Meaning I'm not going to tell you that you cannot have your second beer, Kyle, but what I want you to do is before you grab the second beer, take a second, take a breath or two. And then if you still want to open it, go for it. But even that like three breath moment of do I want to have this or not is creating a new neural pathway. You're breaking that impulse and you're creating this new space in your brain where we can, if we can continue to harvest that a little more and a little more, a little more, who knows? Maybe after one beer, you're like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm right in that three minute little breather I took there. I realized I didn't want the second one. And I went out and I micro gold 200 meter run, you know, whatever it is. It's it's changing those little tiny moments that lead to really big, big changes. We Mm -hmm. don't see that when you see someone's post about getting published. You didn't see the little tiny thing they did. Every single day that All had a that huge dick payoff. Had to suck. <laughs> so, so many micro dicks that were sucked to get that bush pu- book published. <laughs> that bush published. Get that bush published. That was a Freudian <laughs> slip. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you know, uh, having access to great thinkers, you know, like you said, you know, Tim Ferriss early on, like they really can help provide this um, playbook, but I think it can also make you feel insufficient oh yeah because you're constantly comparing yourself to world-class athletes thinkers entrepreneurs and it makes you compare yourself and think wow there's no way i'm ever gonna be that so why try it all and that's a really dangerous trap to get into because you know it's it's kind of pedestrian to say but like just be the best you can be, right? But like that, it really is all you can do if you're trying to live a happy life. It's and like that's just... really all they did. Right. All of those people, right? And I think that we talked about this other night, like with biohacking and all these different things. I got so overwhelmed when I first came into the podcast world because I was like, I want to do all the things. I need to be in a sauna and I need cold exposure and I need to be keto and I need to be barefoot all the time. I need to stretch and I need to do all these things. And it's like, I'm one person and I can't do all of those things. Yeah. I can't. Just all I'm at once. You're in a sauna I'm with the ice. <laughs> I am I don't have time to biohack twenty-four hours a day. I'm sorry, Tim. I failed you. I failed you in all your things, right? But I think that what we can do, and to Brennan's point of of 
morning routines is like work something into your routine that works for you. Get curious about these things. Get curious about why you're feeling called to check out, you know, cold exposure or why you're feeling called to do these different things. Right. And for me, I hate being cold and Mm -hmm. going back to getting uncomfortable. It was like turning my shower faucet to cold is something I can do every day. And it didn't cost me $250 on Amazon to get the latest collagen protein to do it. Right. Like I could just turn my water on cold. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people too could, could use a little more discipline in their lives. I think with a lot of people that I'm close to my friends and stuff, if they come to me and they're experiencing some issues, I can be a little hard on them, but I think I have seen it work sometimes. I do feel like a lot of people in our society, which is how easy life is, they sometimes do need a little disciplinary, like, hey, man, like, okay, you're struggling, you're not doing anything, you're gaining weight, you're just sitting at home ordering DoorDash. Like, people do need a little shake and a wake up. Like, hey, get your shit together. Like, take a cold shower in the morning. Do this. Go do this hard shit. Like, I don't know. People do need that. that. And sometimes, like, people get mad at me. Like, oh, you're being hard on this person. Like... But fuck, I don't know. I want to turn him into a savage, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I need to be a savage. No, I think that there's a, a correlation between responsibility and meaning. So the more responsibility you take over your life, the more meaning you feel in your life. Yeah. And that can that leads to happiness and fulfillment. But it's a it, you got to constantly be walking that tightrope of discipline and, you know, setting goals. But also, like, I think about, um, you know... Uh, comedy for example right like i'm just getting into doing a couple open mics really enjoying last night fucking dude i went out to rooster tea feathers last night rooster tea feathers Feathers. do you know what that is i don't but i like the name brendan and the crew came out i did a set (laughs) i got some people laughing i was stoked we were laughing super fun you were were crushing but uh it's a weird thing for me to feel like because this is a new skill that i'm trying to learn as an adult have no real idea or like grand goals to like, I want to be a professional comedian. But, um, I think that that is a, it's very healthy and important for me to not have a big goal with this. Because if I were to every set that went badly would make me feel like, Oh, I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to. And like, I, I'm way too hard on myself and that becomes a weighted vest in itself that makes me not then want to step up to the plate. So like anything I can do to make myself be like, you know what? This is small. This is fun. I learned recently that um, the Latin root of the word amateur, you guys know this, Mm. comes from amor, which is to love. Mm. So to maintain a love of something. And if you're learning a new skill to be able to be okay being an amateur at that and and figure out those little like nuanced moments that can allow you to actually be good at it. Um, Oppositely, I feel like when I learned surfing, I was so young and wanted to be a pro surfer so fucking badly that I just figured out, okay, what's the way that I can get here? And I missed, and a lot of it was about like, okay, how can I get myself in a magazine? How can I get like work with photographers and get publicity? And it was a lot of like stuff around the actual activity of surfing. Whereas like I, I know some friends like uh, I'll, like Nat Young is an example who's best surfer to ever come out of San Diego. That kid just focused on surfing. Like he would just surf 
twice as much as everyone else. And he learned perfect technique and he got way better as a result. But like he just focused on the thing rather yep. than getting wrapped up in in like all the bullshit that can surround taking the purity and the love away from that thing. Yeah. I love that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, there's a kid who went to my high school named Jock Peterson. He's the outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And his dad just had him hit baseballs every single day. Yeah. Every single day. 15-minute break at high school, he'd be in the batting cage. And he got really fucking good, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I, I experienced that too. When I started doing surfing and jiu-jitsu around the same age, 18, 19, at that age, you want to get really good at things. Yeah. And then I kind of reframed them in, in my early 20s. I'm like, I want to just do these things for fun. You know, and I think that's a that's a key thing with, with just learning new things. I mean, I'm sure you have seen the research on learning new things and neural development and neural pathways and what it does for anxiety and depression. It's it's what our bodies want to do. We want to learn new things and it, it nourishes our brain. So, I mean, just having that kind of spirit is, is key. But, yeah, you don't need to be the best at everything. You know, like... And and a way to think about it too is that like okay you can say you can th- this is I think an unhealthy frame is that like okay there's all these little micro um, lessons that I'm learning every day through this discipline that I want to get better at and those don't matter it'll only matter when I get my name published here or up on the billboard there and w- and those matter okay why is it that this doesn't matter and that matters? Because in 50 years, no one's going to give a fuck about that billboard. Right. No one's going to remember. billboard's not even going to be there. No, billboard's not going to be there. You're not going to be remembered and nothing, everyone you did, or everyone you everyone you had sex with is going to die. That, you know, that's just <laughs> more what, of Kyle's what, what you slips. need to remember, everyone. Um, so why is it that external praise is so much more important to us than internal praise? knowledge that we actually went out and did something like nothing nothing is more badass to me than like the silent warrior that just goes out and they do their thing it's such a good feeling and they don't tell anyone and they just come back and they they know that they did it for themselves yeah and a a lot of people don't even give themselves that opportunity though to get that internal validation because they're not providing themselves any stress like you know, when I like will myself to go surf or go to jujitsu practice and I just drive home, you know, standard thing. But it's like I get that internal like, oh, my God, I did it. I didn't want to go. I was going to not go. I was going to just stay at home. And then you go and it feels so fucking good. But a lot of people aren't even providing themselves that opportunity. They don't even have that. They're, they're not giving themselves an avenue. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm riffing here. So bear with me. But I I would get curious about what their life was like before they started to make this pursuit right like what did they receive as a child did they receive external praise from their parent like did they were they raised by someone with like narcissistic tendencies Mm. right I don't know if um, you guys have ever had someone like that in your life but to receive praise from somebody with that kind of personality trait is better than any high you've probably ever had. Like to know that you worked your ass off to hear good job from that person fuels you more than anything else. From a narcissist. From a narcissist. Yeah. Um, And, and that's just being stuck in that cycle. Right. So I would get very curious about what their attachment style is, kind of what their nurture versus nature was like, right. Growing up. And, 
external validation might be what fuels that person. Someone who's extremely securely attached and knows that they could fall a hundred times and mom would pick them up a hundred times, even if she wasn't in the room or all of these different things, that person by nature is probably more likely to go after these goals without having to hear a good job every step of the way, because they know that they've been supported their entire lives through the, you know, through more of what felt internal. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who's, uh, pretty high up at Netflix and she told me that the number one reason for people quitting like high level and corporate environments is not receiving enough feedback like they uh, th- there were all these studies done and it turns out that if you just send back like great job people will work for your company for way longer than if you don't People it love that. Ex- yeah, it makes sense, right? Like just I, those thumbs up emojis go far. They do. I see it every day in the gym. Yeah, I see it with people who, I mean, I work in the Silicon Valley, and people who work fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hours at their desk, and haven't heard "good job" until they get to the gym, and I give them a high five. Yeah, right. That's the first time in their day they've heard that. Do you think they're coming back the next day? Fuck yeah. yeah. They're like, wow, this person believes in me. This person is like watching my success and I'm stoked. Yeah. So I don't blame them. I don't blame people who like get fueled off of external validation. I just think you got to keep it in check. Yeah. Yeah. You ever, you ever like do a workout with someone and you say good job, just hoping so that they'll say good job back to you. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like, no, I hate that. It's you're kind of like that. when the waitress drops your food off and they say enjoy and you're like, thanks, you too. And you just kind of sulk yeah, into uh, your napkin for a second. <laughs> thanks, you too. That, right? It comes, it goes back into that like automatic impulse. You all have done it. Maybe it's just me. Oh, no. I'll I've take done it. ownership of my it. own experience. But yeah, when you say, stuff comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, shit. You're just like, please validate me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need it. Usually, yeah, it's so funny. Like little situational, like moments where like you don't want to be like, "Hey, hey, will you tell me I did a good job, please?" Because I need that. Like, you're just trying to like set yourself up in the like, "Whew, that was a hard workout, huh?" Yeah. yeah. And. Yeah. And. and <clears throat> oh, my, my back sore. That was that was a lot, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> No, totally. No, but there's now so- I know what you've been doing in the gym, Kyle. That's the real reason you come work exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> I just need that, need that validation. Love me, please. Um, there's something that is when you require external validation, and when you uh, social media is the the great culprit of this. Um, posting about everything that you're doing, it takes away um, a level of sacredness from the experience. And that's what I was talking about. Like, there's nothing more badass than someone who goes down and swims out and catches a huge lingcod spearfishing and then comes back and they fillet that fish up and they eat it with a few of their friends. And that's that. Like, that's just so fucking cool to me. And I think it's just in uh, the reason I'm passionate about it is because so much is the opposite. And there's obviously a huge benefit to social media too, because like, you can go do something, post about it on social media, get this external praise, and it'll probably fuel you up to do it again and more of it. But you lose a sense of yourself. There's like a power that's lost in that. I started traveling with uh, with Greg Long a lot on these surf trips, and 
he's like anti-social media. Mm. Like I remember I was on a trip with him and I busted out my phone to take a photo and he looked at me like, <laughs> he looked at me like I used the word savage in a derogatory term. <laughs> <laughs> right after Columbus Day. Right after Columbus Day. Yep. He was like, just don't, don't do it. And there's, um, yeah, I think, I don't know where I was going with that. You know, I, I, I kind of disagree with, with it in a way. Like, I, I, I'm i a fan of social media. And I know that, like, you know, the external validation stuff. And on my, my personal account, like, I, I, you know, on my business account, I'm posting constantly because I, I got to. And it's, it's something that drives the business. But I don't know. You know, I know we're going to see studies come out. And we already have on social media and what it does to, like, our opioid receptors and our, you know, like, it... it it definitely does some fucked up shit. Yeah. What do you okay. lo- What do you love about it? So what I like about it is, look at look at podcasting. Look at what it's. Would you know about a lot of these podcasts? Would you be able to stay in tune with what a lot of your friends are doing without social media? You know, like I, I don't know. I think people look, take a deep dive into it sometimes, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, you know, social media is wrecking us, but. I don't know. Like you can kind of look at it on a lighter point of view, right? And no. like you can like, Kook Slams is the best part of my day every <laughs> single day. Yeah, and no. So so a part of my morning routine where I'm getting all namaste and stretching and stuff is going on Instagram after I get the other shit done. I I love I you love, love that. it. Of you course. love it. I've done my cold shower. I dig I've it. I've done my stretching. I've done my gratitude breathing, and mm. I like going on the Insta- and I I get to see what my friends are up to, and I think it's cool. And I know um, I dig it. Y- you got to be careful with it, but it's like, what if I saw you spear fishing with that cod, and I'm like, you know what, dude, I should get into fucking spear fishing. Totally. So I yeah. mean, th- there is the yin and yep. yang. There is both both points are completely the- valid, but I'm like, I don't know. I see people, um, you know, completely like retracting from social media sometimes i see that a lot actually like a lot of my friends who were talking to joe yesterday was like no nah, i'm like good off it but i'm like maybe that guy could use a little social media right you know <laughs> in a way it's i i love it I, I think it's great that that you dig it and i i i love it way more than i am talking about right now like there's this whole um there's this whole aspect of life where we're not honest about what we're really all about. Mm-hmm. And it's a big aspect of life. It's like, called social media. It's called I'm just joking. But that's, that's, that's the problem with it is, right? Yeah. Is that you're like, I'm all about spearfishing. I've done it three times in the last year. Yeah. And you you kind of morph yourself to, to, to virtue signal that you're all about shit that you're not really all about. But if you're really all about it and, it, and it's genuine, then hell yeah, share it promote it but i think that um you know it's like it's like dads who are like i'm all about you know my kids and like you know i'm all about family i'm like yeah but you're gone for three quarters of the year aren't you like wait that's not really what you're all about your actions speak way louder than your words so i i think that what just annoys me more is the lying that we all do Mm -hmm. about what we claim we're all about and what we really are because the truth of it is if you look at my phone and how much i'm on instagram which is i think i've cut back quite a bit since la- since you know it came out i'm still all about instagram like if if an alien source came down we're like all right how does kyle spend his time like he loves instagram yeah i i think it, it's a tricky thing when you get into how like how young kids are using it right but i feel like as adults like don't we all kind of know that it, i mean we're all talking about it right now that oh instagram is kind of fake then everyone's posting only good so like i kind of know that 
When right. I see my friend post a, a photo with his girlfriend, they look fucking great. I'm like, right, that's not really what you guys look like, and that's not really how you're living. I was with you guys yesterday. Like, there's some different shit going on. He's mad at her. Like, yeah. Right. But it's like, it, I don't know. I feel like as adults, like, we're kind of like, okay, well, I know what's going on here, and I think it's kind of fair game, the social media thing. I do think it is pretty tricky when you have a 12-year-old on Instagram. Uh, they might not right. know. They might not, well, not really see what's going on. So, well, it, yeah, beca- it can become dangerous because when you're 12, it's really hard to know who you are. Mm-hmm. So you're you're constantly figuring it out. There was a um, the guy who wrote Jonathan Haidt, who wrote the Coddling of the American Mind, showed these stats about 12 year old about girls under 12 committing suicide over the last four years mm-hmm. has just skyrocketed, and a lot largely because of Instagram. Absolutely. Um, so I think that it can become extremely dangerous for people who don't necessarily know who they are. And I would but. even maybe argue that you're giving adults a lot more credit than they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> I really would. <laughs> because I think that the three of us can sit here and say, yeah, everyone puts their highlight reel on Instagram. But that's not a reality for so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, for those people that I think what what kind of creates a difference is the fact that we all had dinner the other night and none of us took our phones out for hours Mm -hmm. that would give some people so much anxiety to like not check it and i think that at the end of the day what it comes down to is balance Mm -hmm. like i do think that we are all seeking connection and the argument you make about like i get to see what my friends are doing on instagram right like that's harvesting that connection the next time i see you i can say hey man like saw the picture of you and your girlfriend you look so happy that was awesome you know but i think that it can go to a really dark place if I saw the picture of you and your girlfriend and then I tapped on her profile and then her profile I found this hot girl and I like went to her profile and then but next thing I know I'm three hours deep into Instagram looking at some stranger that I've never met and comparing my body to hers yeah and I think that that's the vehicle that social media is for so many people I know a dude uh I won't say his name uh who got an Instagram profile right when it came out and didn't really know what Instagram was. He thought it was like a, a photo vault. Like a filter. He thought it was, no, he thought it was like a vault. He didn't know that it was like a shared it was social media application. And uh, and then all of a sudden, all the girls in Santa Cruz were like, why is this guy posting naked photos of himself flexing in the mirror on Instagram? <laughs> dude. And they were like, started tech like, hey, dude, uh, what's going we on? And he's this. like, what? <laughs> Dude, that guy is a Dude. savage. <laughs> savage. <laughs> that's a fucking yeah. That's a real savage. And some oh people, who, some people in Santa Cruz will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. but there was a moment of like, his name is Kyle Tierman. His name is Kyle Tierman. <laughs> that was me. Hey yo, you guys, we've been going for a while. Um, but given it, true to the, uh, the 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 spirit of this podcast and delivering helpful information to people everywhere, are there any uh, epic books that you guys have been reading that you uh, want to share with the world oh man a lot the body keeps the score is a good one by who Ooh, i am drawing a blank right now i could okay i could google we'll it. get it no it's fine they can why what's that book all about um it's kind of about the body holding on to what the mind wants to forget um kind of circling back to the whole conversation we just had you know like our body knows and it really does keep score of all of these different traumatic events, um, things that happen to us that our mind might want to repress and how really working on the body can start to heal the mind in that way. Mm. Um, so that's a good one. All right. I've heard of that. 
So lately I've just been delving into PubMed research articles, so it's really nothing that anybody would want to read. But um, Except one the one about the dog owners. Except the one about the dog owners. Dog owners, was it, tw- was it 29, 29%? I think it's 24. 24. It was in the 20s. You are, let's, say, let's even say 20, 20%. Okay. okay. People can look it up. 20% um, decrease in all-cause mortality wow. for dog owners. Biohack, get a dog. Get a dog, everyone. They'll <laughs> love you. <laughs> They'll greet you. They'll make you feel validated. That's what dogs do. They get you. They get you. you they get it right. Validation. They get it right. You come back from a bad comedy set, and they're like, "We still yeah. love you. I still <laughs> love funny. you." Oh my gosh, now. you're home. <laughs> you're like you understand my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get it right. Yep, that's the truth. Uh, everyone should read Ender's Game. You guys ever read Ender's, Ender's Game? Game? Ender's Game is such a badass sci-fi book that I'm rereading. It was my favorite book when I was a kid. It's about this little genius named Ender Wigan who's it's in the future. What a he, name. Ender Wigan. Ender Wigan, yes. And he's taken up into a, a spaceship in battle school to fight in zero gravity with freeze guns with other little genius students to prepare for the great war against the aliens known as buggers. Holy and shit. it's about his journey and uh, I read it back when I was like 11. This is a book back that was written in the 1980s, and I'm rereading it right now, and it's getting me so psyched. Yeah. Do you know what that kid sounds like? <clears throat> what? A total savage. There we a go. Total savage. Yeah. He's no, he does. Yeah. Oh, he kills like three kids before he's like 11. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you don't learn that until later in the book. So sorry about that. Spoiler alert. Everyone, uh, Santa Cruz Medicinals, Brendan Rue. Yes, uh, sir. People know who you are, but if they want to get in touch and ask you more questions about uh, any and all things. Yeah, follow us at Santa Cruz Medicinals. I check that DM on Instagram too much every day. So if you DM Santa Cruz Medicinals, you will be talking to me. And um, yeah, let's chat. Follow me there. And you can find me at Lindsay Taylor Lock on Instagram. You guys, this is so fun. This is great. I love it. You're the best. You're so smart. You're so inspiring. (laughs) That's our show. I'm going to play out the song called Flashing Lights by Sourgrass. And before you take off, I want to let you know that I now do a newsletter where I send an email uh, about once a week to your inbox. And uh, they're typically little humorous short stories that I write. Um, Hunting, surfing, adventure, travel, all the things that I'm interested in. Um, Trying to improve my writing and you guys seem to be enjoying it. So I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, and you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to sign up for that. You can comment on the, the stories. That's where people, you know, get engaged and uh, give me feedback and, and give me feedback on the podcast as well. I'm, I'm listening. Um, so that's where you do it. And thanks again to everyone who donates on Patreon. You can head over to my website to donate on Patreon. Even just a few bucks a month really does help. And thanks again always to Santa Cruz Medicinals for sponsoring this podcast. You can go to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10, and get 10% off your swag, your CBD swag. It's good stuff. Um, hope you all have a great day. Uh, take your clothes off, jump in the ocean, and keep living it up. I will see you all next week. Have a great day.
Shout from the 